Welcome to Overpressed. I'm Chris. I'm Jake. And we have Alex again in studio with us. And I wanted to bring him back in because last week, he just kind of sat there while I read a bunch of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so we really didn't get to par- participate too much in the podcast. So I wanted to make sure that he had a chance to come in and hang out with us on a, on an episode that was uh, could more be a interactive. Little, could be a little more, more interactive. More involved. Yeah, that'd be good. So uh, Instead of just saying yep about once every 30 seconds. Yeah, and then having me look at you when I talk about guys with air ride and wheels yeah. doing things. So yeah. it's... Uh, <laughs> Hi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's good to have you here. Um, we are heading over after this to go over to check out... The uh, the brewery where we're going to be recording from tomorrow, tomorrow Friday. Friday. Today's Friday. Wednesday, so we'll be we'll be there Friday. So you can come visit us on Friday. We'll make sure we post a link up to that event. Yes, yeah, so that's Bauhaus Brewery, Northeast Minneapolis. Yeah. It's going to be great. It's the Beer Gruppe. Basically, it's Porsche for the seventieth anniversary. Yeah, seventieth anniversary of Porsche. So we'll be there. Um, I thought Alex might bring his Porsche BMW down, but it sounds like he's going to be up. Uh, Driving, driving around, around in the mud at uh yeah right why is it gonna be muddy this is gonna rain a bunch in oh. Brainerd. yeah it's gonna be a yeah. disaster yeah It'll don't do fun. that then yeah. you know what's gonna i'll drift into some concrete barriers on friday it'll be fine there you go you're te- you always have like the world's most garbage tent too so you're yeah. probably gonna be just oh, yeah. I'm using, swimming in water i'm using the same 15 dollars walmart tent i used last year this year can you actually lay down straight in no, that tent no so there's there's like corner to corner and there's no no yeah i'm fetal you, position you, for you can't days. form the hypotenuse of no. the tent. <laughs> it's bad it's bad oh that's good well I sh- if you want you can borrow my tent you just have to come get it that'd be sweet can yeah. you fit tent fit in the m coop uh i have a few different ones we'll figure okay. something out we'll All right, figure cool. something out. you could actually probably <laughs> stand up in it oh which is which fun. is really nice let's do it um so i went on the cannonball rally with the car you did which was great and when i got home I could barely pull the car in the driveway. Why? I had no clutch. None. Oh. Like you couldn't engage engage it at all? It didn't do anything when okay. I put the clutch all the way to the floor. <laughs> like normally you have a sweep of a clutch like this. And we've talked yeah. about this. Like I you're know. like, man, your clutch sucks. What's going right. on with it? So I have a sweep of a clutch about like this, right? So it's probably like six to eight inches of, of sweep. Travel. And, uh, of travel. Yeah, well, it sweeps. It does this. It sweeps. Right. There's a little broomstick at the bottom. Yeah, Chris just likes things. My clutch is a janitor. Um, <laughs> so it's... It sweeps, okay, <laughs> and uh, so th- there's a so there's a shaft that goes through um, the pedal cluster on. It has the brake pedal on it and the clutch pedal. The yep. the accelerate pedal is just mounted off the side. It's mounted to the floor, right? So as it should be, as it should be mounted right. to the floor. That's right. So the uh, there's a pin that holds the clutch pedal to that shaft. So it goes there's it goes all the way through the pedal into the shaft and out the other side. Yep. So you basically you take a big hammer and you pound a roll pin in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but apparently from what I was told is there's there's a brass bushing kit that you use when you rebuild these pedal clusters. Okay. And the um, the roll pins that come with them are garbage and they break. Is that the super like mangled up thing you had on your story? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's like this so, so it had been rebuilt with the the brass. Yeah, it was all nice. I mean, the right. thing looks brand new. The whole pedal cluster does. Now, yep. do you remember when, Alex, when you and I were out in California, I'm like, God, I got to adjust my clutch. Something's yeah. wrong. I don't understand what's going on. And, yeah. I, and I adjusted the cable. Mm-hmm. I've literally done that five more times <laughs> oh my since God. then. So basically that roll pin has been like slowly the clutch. Deforming. It's yep. just it's my clutch pedal has been slowly rotating forward. So mm-hmm. I took the pedal cluster out, which is kind of a nightmare because it's you got there's underneath the car. There's a, a metal shield. That covers the fuel lines and the brake and the brake booster and stuff like that because it's oh, right, kind of the tanks in the front. Right. So the the yeah. brake booster. Or, so right I'm there. sorry, I don't have a brake booster, but the master cylinder is right on the other side of the brake pedal. It's right yeah. there on the floor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have like a linkage or anything like a lot of cars do, where it brings it up. So it's on the ground. So they have like a skid plate underneath the car, which is 
on my car is beat to shit. I mean, it is mm-hmm. hammer time. <laughs> it's really, really, uh, really, really beat up just because I drive the car so much and we went on logging right. roads or, and mm-hmm. I just, I drive a lot. So it's, it's hammered. So I had to figure out a way because it was like really bound up. So taking the screws out, actually putting I wonder it, how that compares to those Keen Project cars, those Safari 911s. Oh my God. What um, that panel well, looks like theirs is probably beat to shit, but it's made out of like titanium. Or they just have, yeah, undercarriage panels. Yeah, the whole yeah they, they, they have a, I know there's no skid plate on the rear. They might have something on the front. I'm not sure. Okay. I didn't really get Anyways, on my hands and knees and look. So it's beat. So it's beat. So I, so getting getting to everything was kind of sucked. Putting that thing back on when it was tweaked was actually kind of a pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so I, I ended up putting a bolt, like a hardened 10.9 German bolt in there with like a lock washer and stuff. Yeah. And you just tighten it down on that per advice from some people. So Well, it was funny because I saw that on like your Instagram story and I go, oh, don't don't show the purists, right? You're using like just regular hardware store hardware yeah. on your, your Porsche car. That was actually hardware that I got off of my other Porsche. So it's oh, still well, a Porsche bolt. Fun story about your, your pedals real quick. I never realized uh, when we were in California, I totally like, you know, because it was the first time I'd ever been in your car for an extended period of time, really like that. So I got to figure out all the quirks about a 911. And one of the things that's interesting is there's no transmission tunnel in the car. The no. floor is just flat. So Chris could be driving in the you know in the driver's seat, and I could reach over and grab the steering wheel, put my leg across the floor since sure. there's no transmission tunnel, and yep. drive the car with him in the driver's seat. So I could flex my knee. It's, yeah, a little it's bit. autopilot, yeah. right? Yeah, basically. Who needs a Tesla so when you have an Alex? You just need a lanky ass dude in the passenger seat, yeah, and perfect. then you have autopilot. Yep. I also have like a, a little cold start valve that is yeah. basically you pull it up, and it lets brings the idle up for cold start. Mm-hmm. Never had to use it before ever. But I can actually, if I pull oh, that right, all the way that up, was our cruise control. It's cruise control on flat ground. It's about 75, 80 miles an hour. Seriously? Yeah. yeah. So you can just pull this little lever up and it just holds it the, the gas pedal down. It is the funniest when I drove your car. It was the weirdest thing because I didn't know about that feature in right. 911s. But yeah, it literally just kind of tweaks your, your uh, gas cable or your, your throttle pedal cable linkage. I think it just yeah, pushes down it on it. Pushes. Right. Yeah. It's so it just, just opens it up a little feature. bit. So that's, uh, yeah. So I got, I have a clutch now. Which is, it feels awesome. I, I just, like, everything's, <laughs> before my brake pedal was kind of, like, where it should be, and then the, the clutch pedal was kind of, like, two inches down, and the gas pedal's over here. <laughs> oh Nothing was on, like, the same plane <laughs> yeah. of, of existence. Now everything's, ex- I replaced the gas pedal, too. So everything is in the exact spot that it's supposed to be. And when I was taking it apart, I found out that till now, for God knows how long, I've probably only had about 75% throttle. Rip. So, so how did it feel when you got on it? It feels well. great. Yeah. It feels really <laughs> So I thought I'm like I thought something was kind of wrong. I'm like, God, I you know, it's been like forty five thousand miles. I haven't done a valve adjustment yet. So I did a valve adjustment. I'm like, man, did I break something? Did I you know what's wrong? Why don't I have any power? Ever since California, there's just it feels not as good. But now it feels like it's supposed to. And I thought, honestly, I didn't think it was that roll pin. I thought my the clutch finger that pulls the pressure plate in and out. I thought that's what had failed. Yeah. And I was like, God, I gotta pull the whole motor out and take the transmission off. And it's just oh. Speaking of of clutch stuff, uh just I remember when the first time I ever worked on a car was pulling the transmission out of a Spitfire and I pulled the transmission out from the interior of the car. That's what? how small it was. How oh you, yeah. Because yeah. you pull the the all asbestos and cardboard transmission tunnel off out of the car and it's convertible. Yeah. And the transmission's like the size of like a like an egg crate basically. And you just pull it out. Was from that the fifteen hundred? Yeah. So, so it's, it's the, the red exact one. same yeah yeah trans and engine is in my car 
Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Well, the later yeah. MGs use the, the MG1500. And yeah, it is small. Yeah, but it was such funny because you're talking about like, oh, God, the clutch fingers might be screwed and everything. And for me, it was just like, yeah, just pull the transmission out. It's well, two bolts. It's not, <laughs> just, it's not that hard. I just didn't – I just it was kind of deflating to – like if I'm going to pull my motor out, I want to like – I'm thinking about doing it to clean the motor up and kind of maybe check everything, you know. Refresh. Refresh everything and maybe just clean it. And yeah. I'm like, oh, that sounds okay. I can pull it. But pulling it to fix something that bro- is broken – Never feels never feels quite as nope. nice. Nope. It, it feels kind of shit. True. So, yep. um, I moved the wipers. I did a lot yesterday. Was like, uh, so you remember Dave Cheney was on the podcast the other day. Yeah, that dude has more energy to work on cars than anybody I've ever met. Like he <laughs> talked to you about his nine fourteen, right? But he'll be done with that car in like tomorrow <laughs> because he's like so. So I did my best imitation of uh, of Dave Cheney. To work just on my car, so I, just, and so I took projects. so I took the entire like blower motor assembly out of the front of my car, right. and I moved the wipers onto the other side. Yeah, oh, wow. and this was a cool idea. I didn't know that this was a yeah. Thing. So you just basically disconnect the linkage, move the wipers, put the linkage back on. Right, getting the linkage is kind of like you got to take the 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 guard off, then you got to take the, the and hoses so off and the airbox just, out. Just to clarify, the only reason you want to do this is so you don't look at the little wipers down at the bottom of the windscreen when you're on the driver's no, side. No, because when you're driving in his car, his windshield wipers are a little bit loose on the main on the crank, so they they're worn creep out. up a little bit, and then they're <laughs> like right in front of your annoying. face. Yeah, so so now they sit like the driver's and even if they sit where they the were supposed here. to, yeah, even if they sat right where they are, I'm still short. So oh, even, right. even when you're you're short too. So like you can't see the best thing you can you want to see is you want to see those headlights, right? Right. You want to sit there and you want to see those, you know, that nine eleven headlights sitting or out in front of you. Going, or where you're going. Or yeah. where you're going. That's good. Is, yeah. is, or the little kid you're about to knock out. Yeah. I also uh, I took my <laughs> <laughs> Why did why did you have to make it dark, Alex? You gotta see. You gotta see. Anyways, okay, so I also wipers, cleaned out my clutch. my instrument cluster, one of the one of oh, the yeah. instruments. I watched your, your yeah, so I way took it apart. Detailed Instagram story <laughs> where you're like literally scrubbing with Q-tips, and I'm like, why am I and watching this slops. right now? But it was interesting. You watched it, right? Yeah, it was, I watched it and then regretted watching it. <laughs> <laughs> I want you, those you two minutes of my depth. life back. You go very in depth. Yeah, so I yeah, so I kind of just scrubbed the inside, and now it now it matches all my other gauges, so they're all kind of white. Yep, which is which is really nice. So um, um, that's that's it. I have a lot of new parts to install that well, I bought. I was going to say, what did you order from Pelican Parts? So I ordered from Pelican. I ordered a. So this is probably too much information for people. All the shit that's wrong with my car. I don't know if they even care. But so there's. Uh, We're no longer aspiring to this be. This is a living Craigslist car. Of your car <laughs> right now. Yeah. Um, so there's uh, there's a shift coupler in back that mates the shaft to the other um, shaft to the other shaft the input shaft to the, the transmission. transmission and. I replaced it once already, and it's... Did we say that in... Yeah, that was complete stereo sync for okay. me of Jake's voice and Chris' voice saying the same thing. The, that was the, awful. The Darlin <laughs> is starting to wear out again. Delrin. So it's probably... It's yeah, Delrin. 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 The Delrin is starting to wear out, and it's Darlin, loose again. That's, that's uh, my cousin out in Scotland. So the Darlin <laughs> coupler, um, Del, De, the Darlin coupler is worn out again. Yeah. So it's been, I guess it's been like twenty thousand miles, and it's like a a performance part. So maybe that's why. So I finally said, "Fuck it, I'm gonna just buy the nicest coupler there. It's like two hundred dollars, okay. mm-hmm. and it's like an aircraft style coupler, whatever that means. So it's like got a little rubber boot, and then there's two shafts on each side, and you just put it right in the middle. It's probably a U joint in I there. Think aircraft just I, means it's nice, yes. or made of aluminum." 
It might be. Right. I don't know what it's made of. I just want it to work. So that should get rid of what? a lot of the the four and aft play that I have. Nice. And then I then I have to do some other stuff with the shifter as well. But um, I don't know why I was thinking about this the other day. But why? Because I was thinking about that part. Maybe I saw it on your story. Why do, can't they just do like an interlocking? Like, have you seen roll bars where you can like remove a section of a roll bar? Right. Yeah, and it's two points, it. and it's like it's interlocked. That's what yeah. mine is. So that's what this is. Okay. Yes, basically, sort well, of. I, I guess I, I'm curious. Why does it need to have any sort of bushing in between it? I think that the, some of the older transmissions needed a little bit of looseness there. If it's too tight, it'll either, like if you if the if the motor shifts, it'll pop it out of gear. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think you need to have some sort of looseness there. That's just kind of what I gathered from some research. Well, that's like there now, now that a I have looseness a, to get the best. Yeah, now that I have a chassis mounted shifter with just a straight ball in it, I can see all the movement that happens from the transmission shifting without the ch- without the chassis moving. Yeah, and it's crazy. Like the shifter goes like all over the place because the transmission's moving. Right. Even though my bushings are fine. Yeah, it's crazy. So, so I've got to deal with that stuff a lot too. I ordered new suspension. I've got new brakes. I've got all those suspension bushings. That, so uh, we'll that get into that later. Style coupler was two hundred and ninety nine dollars, Chris. Who says this, Jesse? Because it just arrived on your doorstep. <laughs> yeah, it's there. <laughs> I think it's two hundred bucks. I think she's wrong. I think she's. Oh, wrong. I don't know. She was two ninety nine. That's the all she said. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I don't think it's that much. Uh, so uh, we probably didn't we're mention get on into a the domestic podcast. dispute here on <laughs> yeah, the podcast. We, we didn't mention on the podcast that we're doing a Facebook live stream. So if you're listening oh. to the podcast right now, you're too late to watch the live stream. But live stream, scream. <laughs> <laughs> But at any rate, that's why we're getting some feedback All right. from our viewers. <laughs> so I saw your wheels today. I went over and visited 311RS, and I, I saw your wheels say. in a box sitting there. And I'm like, man, I guess I really should have brought my truck over there. But then it... Yeah, it, they, it'd be nice if I could have had them. You know more about these wheels that I ordered than I do. So he's got to put the tires on them for you. So I that's, can't get over the scream. I'm still there. <laughs> <laughs> still there. Okay. I, oh, my God. It was like a Wilhelm, Wilhelm scream, but in person. That was amazing. <laughs> yeah. What else do you have going on? How do, they, how do they look? I've never seen. I should show you a picture of the way these boxes are packaged, Alex. Yeah. Because your wheels arrive bent a bunch of times. Yeah. These things look like they could fall off a truck at like 55 miles an hour <laughs> and, be fine. and be fine. The boxes are crazy. I wonder if people, we should probably talk about that some episode. Yeah. About, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. About your wheels? A wheel you? episode or something. Yeah. yeah. We, there's some stories we could talk about about so, wheels. We'll have to discuss and see if that's. A proper discussion for Correct. public yeah. consumption. I see. Um, well, maybe that's why they they took so long to get here. I think is they spent three weeks packaging, packaging them. them. <laughs> yeah, for real, for real. Anything else going on other than your wheels? Um, I have a birthday shack. <laughs> oh, the one you talked about last time. Yeah, the did birthday I? shack. I did you actually do the the raising of the shack? I did. Yeah, the wow. shack is done. How'd it go? Was it like it's a, well? I still need to roof it and do siding. You're roofing your shed, right? Sweet. And vinyl siding. That's rad. I just bought matching shingles to yeah. my house. This is nice. now a contracting podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> welcome. Yeah, great. Um, the, well, the, it's somewhat car related because the whole point of me building the shed is so I can take all the crap that's not car related out of the garage, put it in the shed, and then I'm going to refinish the garage, get epoxy floors. To be fair, finish it all off, what, and then do a that post lift. Pretty small. It's ten by eight. Oh, is it? Okay, it just looks smaller on on. I like how the ten by eight by started, nine foot ceiling. Okay. The second so. we started talking about that, we lost two viewers. Oh Just man! The contracting really, yeah. podcast. Yeah, the con- like it's, as, as he said that. Was, um, so yeah. let's. Uh, do you have your? We got to hear from one of our sponsors before we go too much farther. And I want to get into a couple of voicemails that we have 
from we got a couple this week so i want to yeah, talk about those but first what do we got uh first speaking of voicemails you can call that line you could also call south central imports chris they are uh, a local twin cities based automotive shop they specialize in volkswagen audis and they've been in business since 1976 so they certainly have the experience and uh know-how to do a uh, great job with your car, with anything you bring into them, and you should bring it into them. They have the integrity, the honesty, like I said, the experience to get the job done right. Um, they are also a authorized Revo software dealer, among other things. And they have a couple great guys over there. Chad, we both know. He's the, the and owner, service writer, Ben, guy. his brother. Yep. Family business. Absolutely. So you can, you can find them on Facebook, of course, at SCI Performance. SCI stands for South Central Imports because it is in South Central Minneapolis. And uh, they're also, uh, I was going to say, they're on the telephone. They're located <laughs> on the telephone at 612-722-8897. Okay, so we have two voicemails. They are from Kevin and... Kevin. So we have two Kevins. We have, we have the Kevins. <laughs> it was really confusing me. Like I wrote the notes on one of them, and I'm like, wait, wrong. That's the wrong Kevin. Right. Kevin. Right. So, so Kevin. Uh, do you, uh, we're doing this a little differently. Do you want me to play the audio today, or do we just want to? Yeah, go ahead and play the audio. Okay, here we go. This is Kevin. Hey guys, this is Kevin from Omaha, Nebraska. I'm just your uh, straw hat wearing, propane gas cooking. <laughs> Miata driver. <laughs> I do love true. that, Kevin. Anyway, uh, I have something I'd like your opinion on. Uh, when I'm looking for a parking space, a lot of times you'll see somebody get out of a GM vehicle, and when they shut their car off, all the courtesy lights come on, and that includes the reverse lights, which right. can be really deceiving when your reverse lights come on when you shut a car off, or it might even work when you hit the unlock button on the car, too. Yeah. Uh, what else do you guys have that are kind of annoyances that are supposed to be convenience features that they put on newer cars? Keep up the good work, guys. Uh Thanks for making a great show. All right. Um, awesome. Thanks, yeah. Kevin. And it's great because you guys are listening to it and interacting. We yeah. love that. Love that. Cool. And to answer the question, we have a lot of things that yeah. drive us nuts that are supposed yeah. to be modern convenience features. The number one for me, the number one thing is the key. Yep. We've been We've through this before. This. A Not, lot of different people have been through this. Yeah, so yeah. it's like the key <laughs> is the problem. It's so a here's, solution to a problem that does not exist. Nobody We've, here knows. We haven't talked about it yet, but I bought a Touareg. Oh, right. So, but that thing has... Which, can I say, last time we talked about this on air, and I think you and I really talked about it, was you were looking at GTIs, you were looking at you know BMWs, yeah. and then just total 180, bought a Touareg. TDI. TDI. Just a, it's a monster for towing, right? Yep, All yep. that torque, which is great, because you can tow your boat. Oh, that you sold. <laughs> yeah. <it's>, like, <laughs> what two the days? hell? I, I bought How the, long are you going to have this thing, then? I bought the Touareg. I'm like, all right, I can't sell the boat. It's been for sale for two years. Right. I can't sell it. It will not sell. Fuck and then, it. And then I'm going... Sold. And then as soon as I bought the Touareg, so I could tow the damn boat, so I could go use it again, right. it sold the very immediately. First, one of the very first times I hung out with uh, Chris, you know, at your actual, at your actual place in, um, out in the sticks, basically, compared to me, uh, and I was, like, driving away out there, and I was like, oh, this, you know, whatever, it's, I, I see your truck, and I'm like, oh, truck stuff, like, because we don't, you know, my mom is, like, super against trucks, so I'm like, never, I never see them, or, like, this is my, like this that. must be my, the old tour, like, the blue one. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, so... I rode in that, and we were. I remember we were coming up to a roundabout, and I was just like, huh, I wonder what, like, 
truck stuff he does in this. And you just went straight <laughs> center, like right oh, yeah. for the center oh, of the no, roundabout the great, over the whole thing. Part, yeah. I was like, wow, this is what you do in trucks. So, and that's then you the, sold it. The main problem with uh, with cars, like I have, there's a special spot, not a special spot, there's a spot on the road as you're driving to South Central Imports where if you look to the left, you can see the road that they're on, but there's a median. So you have to go all <laughs> the way down, turn around, do right. a U-turn. Come on. I've Multiple times, whenever I have a truck, I just drive across the median right. and just Yep. Absolutely. Are you okay with that? I oh I'm hundred percent okay. But with not that. but not okay with the left turn on on red. Right. I don't yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to justify a difference. One, you're just being an asshole, and the other one, I don't know. Right. The one just seems Why? better somehow. So two things. Um we let's, let's the direction. Get, I don't want to get too far off topic. Let's get back to the oh, yeah, voicemail here. Okay, but Toreg, it's not the V ten TDI. No, it's a no. V, it's a three liter turbo. Right. So you could chip it and make like 150 more horsepower. It's like another 110 foot yeah, pounds of torque. Yeah, yeah. It's, it doesn't need a to tow. To tow your boat that you don't have anymore. To tow my boat that I don't have anymore. What are you right. doing with this thing? Your emotional I don't boat. Know. I don't know. It and also, why, there anymore. why is your mom against trucks? That was a weird... Just because she's her. Cool. Okay. Yeah. I like trucks. It would be, be a lot of explaining. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> not having a real key is one of the things top of the list that we don't like about modern cars that's supposed to be like a so convenience what, feature. Is this, is this all cars, by the way? Like, not just like sports cars. And anything. Cars and yeah, this yeah. is just anything. Okay. This is a podcast about all cars. So my, what made me bring up the Turing is so the, number one, the BMW had this problem where you had to put the key in and then hit the start button. We experienced that. And it was like, it had to like go in and then it was spring loaded and it was kind of weird and then you had to hit the start button. And so the Turing is in the middle. Okay. So you put the key and it's a weird key. I wish I had it on me because I'd show the camera, but it's like a big egg and it goes into the, th- the thing and you can turn it either way to start it. It's like you just go like this, you turn okay. it a little bit, you know, maybe, you know, 30 degrees or wherever you turn it yeah. and it starts the car. Or if you turn it left, it does the same thing. Or what? you can leave it sitting there and hit the start button. Mm-hmm. So they left a key, but the actual physical function of, the satisfaction of putting the key in and turning it doesn't right. work. It's got like these two little pinholes on it Okay. where you put it in and it grabs onto the key sure. for you. Right. So it's like, it goes like this, it goes, and yep. then it just locks onto the key. <laughs> and then you know that's going to malfunction and you can't get your you key can't, out then. You, I, there's a lot of times where you're like, if it's not in park or it's in neutral, you can't yeah. take the key out. So, you, so you're trying, it's, it's so just, you yank on it you're for a yanking second on the thing trying your, to get the key out and then you end yeah. up starting it again on accident and you're like, oh my God, just please give me the fucking key. Yep. Right. That type of shit drives me nuts. Yeah. Almost anything that's like mandated. I was going to say, we talked about this as a very early episode was th- all the, the mandates that um, I was going to say the EPA. EPA also does it. I remember how surprised you were by how many pages and pages and pages and pages of yep. mandatory regulations there are. So the one we're talking about here is the backup cameras that are mandatory yep. is what comes to mind because that's new this year that they're mandatory. Really? Yep. What is wow. beeping? I don't know. Nothing we can do about it. Keep going. Oh, okay. Right. Sorry. Sweet. Um, yeah. So as of 2018, Alex, we talked about this in previous episode way back. Now, uh, backup cameras are mandatory in every single vehicle sold Every single vehicle. Every wow. vehicle sold in the US. So you are now wow. paying for that. So if you buy an Alfa Romeo 4C here, it has to have a backup camera. Yeah. So you wow. literally That's can't buy a car. choice, but yeah. No, here, here's <laughs> well, the, the <laughs> most extreme example. Here's the thing is to have a backup camera, you have to have a what? You have to have a screen. You have to have a screen, and which the designers of cars can't figure out where to put the damn screen. Or what to put on the screen. It's or what to put on it. Because you have like, there's like, all of a sudden you have like 
three-tier dashes where you have a cluster here and then there's like a clock with like a water temperature here and then there's a screen over here yeah. with like your navigation stuff on it and i just don't understand why what it's actually yeah. why can't we figure insanity. this out yeah well and even like if i was just a car designer and i wasn't worried about any of the functionality or anything it makes sense like Tesla, for example, does where there is just a big iPad screen basically right in the center stack of your dash. Like mm-hmm. from a it's design even bigger. perspective, it's, like the, it's the insanely big iPad. Though. It's like a laptop turned sideways. It's basically, yeah. yeah. So from a design perspective, that makes sense. But from a functional standpoint, I hate touch screens in cars there needs to be buttons dials there's, tactile, not, there's no feedback. feedback there's no feedback there's no taxi I, I like touch screens in cars i never know how hard to push it because it's like you sometimes you push it this hard sometimes you push it this hard what uh, it's, it's fine you're okay it's creep. also fucking creeps also no, your transmission no, we're needs about, to be no, a little bit like, loose too yeah no yeah i i, I just <laughs> especially I like in the turret I'm, I'm pushing it i'm like okay i find myself having to push the button That's again because it's a resistive touch screen which is old school Fine, I don't like it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was yeah. also going to say, think about driving down, you know, the freeway or anywhere else. You with an old school like knob on your radio, you don't have to take your eyes off the road. You can just right. you know where it is instinctively and reach over and just twirl right. it. Well, Here, you can't just like even if you instinctively know where it is on the screen, you you don't know what you're, you're doing. Just, you like, can't just go around like this. Yeah. I'm really surprised that company car companies haven't adopted a technology that came out. Uh, five or six years ago, that was these cases you could put on your phone, and it was like a screen protector that had a bunch of little water passages in it, or like gel passages. And when you'd have the onboard uh, keyboard pop up, it would inflate all the little gels on the screen, and then it would create a physical oh. keyboard texture on the screen so you could tap it. I'm surprised. What happened? I've never just, seen that. They just didn't catch on. That would be awesome in a car. I would love yeah, that. That like I, <laughs> Can you I wrote. Just, yeah, yeah, like I wrote stuff at my school about how we, that should be a thing in Can we in do that automobiles. on Is there any like female body options for that? Oh my fuck. <laughs> Just boop. Oh my god, Chris. Uh, you're rear form. Uh, yeah. But going and back to I, the I, Okay, yep, go yeah, ahead. I was just going to say going back to the things that are annoying about modern cars. One thing that I hate is if you have ever de- dealt with like a Honda Odyssey minivan or something and it automatically opens the door for you even if you're already opening the door. All minivans do that oh, now. It's yes. awful. Not not all do. Like um like the uh, Chrysler Pacifica I don't think does that yet. I just but, try to override it when I'm getting in someone else's minivan. Starts, I always yeah, try to override it. It hurts the shit out of your wrist because you're like going to open this 80 pound door or whatever and, and you have all this momentum and then it's like, nope, stop. We got to go at two miles an hour, right. not 10. So, which yeah. I do you remember when that was first a new thing? There was a, a like a TV spot for it where the kid's like at a baseball game and he hits a line drive like going down the side. And so the okay. dad quick opens like with his remote the doors <laughs> that go and then the ball goes right through it instead of hitting the car oh that's there's, great that's cool but there's no way you'd be able to open it quick enough no yeah also they can't open simultaneously maybe that's whatever. what that beeping sound is is somebody sliding doors there opening. you go all right let's move on to the next no uh, no, no i have a couple more i want to talk about okay, because one is really bad start stop features how like when you come right. to a, a stoplight and all of a sudden yeah. your car will stop to try to conserve fuel and make you it can turn that off though you can turn it off but by default it's on yeah I'm sure like ninety eight percent of people leave it on right so. blind spot indicators those aren't terrible you wrote those down yeah I don't I don't right. need that I can just, I, I can either. just look and it it makes you lazy and exactly. not pay That's as much don't. attention. Oh. Speaking of those, like the little lights that blind spot indicators on. Yeah. Yeah. My mom's van has a flashing bright LED light that flashes four times when you have the turn signal on. So normal turn signal is like on, off. This light is like on, off, on, off. Like it blinks. And it's super annoying in your peripheral vision. And the have same you guys, shit happens. What about the third brake? Have you seen like strobing third brake lights? Yeah. yeah I've seen those. 
They, those come with like new Mustangs and stuff. It's, it's awful. It's distracting. Yeah, it's I like find like, what's wrong with that thing? Right. Yeah. You, like ambulances used to. Yeah. And motorcycles. Ambulances. Ambulances. Ambulance. All right. Let's keep moving, guys. All right. So we do have another uh, voicemail. And uh, apparently our voicemail line cuts you off after three minutes because Rip. our second Kevin decided to leave a very long voicemail, which I love. We listened to it the whole thing. I don't know if we want to play it, though, Chris. I'm leaving that up to you. You tell me. I didn't listen to it. Um, I read. I read it because it was transcribed. So oh, okay. No, um, we'll we'll just go through it because it was three minutes long. And this again, is Kevin Dunsky. He's uh, he's been listening for a while. He's a good fan. Yeah. So uh, he had two kind of feedback or two points of feedback as we talked about in previous shows. One of which was that I stated that air cooled engine noises or the exhaust sound is overrated. It's right? not. It, right, and so that's what Kevin said. He said you're crazy, and you're you're comparing apples to oranges because I said yes, this sounds great, and I played an audio clip of an air cooled engine, his old 911, mm-hmm. um, and then I played a clip of a nice V8. It was actually an RS4 that was piped oh, out, and a, it sounded yeah. amazing, right? And I said this is so much better. People are just blowing this out of proportion. The 911, and. He compared it. You said a better comparison would be to like an M3, right? That's right. another six so here, cylinder. Here's a question: Revisiting like, that real quick. Sure. You've been in my car since you after you made that statement. Have you yeah. changed your mind at all? Well, here's here's the thing that I have to say. This was all tongue in cheek. Okay. Yeah. It was all somewhat tongue in cheek, just to basically get a rise out of you because okay. I am a huge fan of air cooled Porsches, and truth be told, I'm a bit jealous that you have your car. Big time. And, you know, all that being said, I'm glad it had the desired effect of making you upset. And also, <laughs> Kevin got a rise out of him. Okay. So, yeah, no, I, I realize that air cooled sounds great. And absolutely, I, I will say an M3 sounds like, I'm sorry, Alex, it sounds crappy, a that engine. One. Yeah. The, well, the, okay, the, I got to say. There's two different S, or there's a bunch of different S50, S50 whatever. Don't get me fours. started on that. The S54 doesn't sound very good. S54 Agreed. sounds freaking awful. The S52, yeah. which my car has, I think sounds nice. But yeah. I have to say one thing about because I've filmed your car a lot, so I've been outside of it when you're at wide open throttle a lot. And I have to say that the biggest thing for me is that air-cooled 911s, from what I've experienced, sound really, really good outside the car. Yeah. From inside the car, I'd take my car any day. Just a little drony or... Well, I, I don't know. It just seems kind of like... It's like there's not a lot of dynamic range in the air-cooled Porsches. It's like this wah, 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 not like this singing engine. <laughs> you know why that is? Why? It's because it's accelerating so fast that you're always up in that power band. That's sure. probably, yeah. Because my car takes like a while to ramp Right, you up. have a really tall gearbox. Right, because they didn't want it so to outperform the M3. Yeah. yeah, so it's so I think that, l- that plays into a little bit of a... Yeah, I'm yeah. always so, I have a, I'm shifting a lot more, so it's always kind of up at that. That's true. Plus, yeah. it is pretty drony. At yeah. like like at sixty miles an hour, it can be. I'm, I think my I'm car is deaf. there. My car is there now. Yeah, good. <laughs> yeah, I suffer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You put exhaust on your car. I remove the exhaust. Okay, from my car. well, that is another <laughs> yeah. way. So that was Kevin's first point, though, about exhaust. Yes, you called me out. That was a little tongue in cheek, but yeah. I stand by that. That V8 still sounded amazing. Sure. Oh yeah. Let's let's keep going. I I know he wanted to kind of talk about. He wanted the, to talk about RWB a little bit. And we beat that to death last week. I don't want to go there. Yeah. I yeah. think that we've kind of kind of. Okay, we'll we'll leave it at that. We appreciated the call. Um, Kind of our our feature for this uh, this episode, our feature segment, is about gas prices and how they're really determined. And kudos to you, Chris. You did all this. You did all the research, and this is your segment. So I'll let you... We'll we'll try. I mean, it's going to be... I hope it's not too dry, but I really wanted to kind of get... A lot of numbers. Yeah, there's a lot of numbers here, but everybody's like, oh my God, gas prices are so high right now. Why? What's going on? 
why are the gas prices so high? You know, and one of the, and we'll get to like the, there was a quintessential moment in American history where gas prices shifted and never went back. Yep. So we'll kind of get there and, and uh, talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So um, the current prices for gas are around uh, $3 or 320 for diesel. And uh, breaking down that price structure, crude oil, crude oil is about 50%, 57% of that price. Taxes are around 18 to 20%. Distribution and marketing is 14 And refining is 11 um, so, I mean, taxes are a pretty good, pretty good amount of that. Mm-hmm. Um, Pennsylvania has a gas tax of 58 cents a gallon. Wow. I took a picture insane. of how much Minnesota's is because it actually says it at the pump. It's I 20, never noticed it 28 before. cents. Okay. And, it's, yeah. and it's the same for gas and diesel. It's not more. Pennsylvania's gas tax per gallon for diesel is 74 cents. Wow. I just, I don't understand. Jesus Christ. I mean, it's. I don't know what their gas prices are at the pump exactly. I guess I should have looked. But Does Pennsylvania just have be, amazing roads? It would be yes, actually. That's true. they do have a nice turnpike. Yeah, but that's a user but, fee, so that's a little bit. I'm just surprised. I'm surprised about the two things about the diesel being the same price for gas and diesel tax in Minnesota because that obviously means that diesel is just a straight up better value. I mean, just yeah, like straight I mean, up. Yeah, but um, and then the 74 cents for diesel in California. I w- I'm interested to Pennsylvania. see Pennsylvania. Oh, I thought cents, se- no, 74 percent. cents. Yeah, for diesel in Pennsylvania. Oh, for diesel, right, not for gas. Okay, yeah, so I'm interested to see how much of that tax is their, like, federal income, or not federal, sorry, uh, state income for the year on tax. It's got to be a lot. Yeah, but most of that stuff is supposed to be a user fee and go back into the roads. Right, right. It's supposed supposed to be be allocated gas. Um, And then there's federal taxes, which are 18.4 cents. And this is kind of interesting. 60% 60 of the federal taxes go to roads. 40% goes to, quote-unquote, earmarked programs, which is... Anything, anything. Um, I think a lot of it it tries to stay highway related, but it can be kind of like your little port project. If you live in you know Tennessee or something, you need a bridge. They'll earmark part of that for your bridge in your district. Is that the offense um, at H two O? Is that what that the H two O offense? Who knows? <laughs> um, so the problem here, and I, I kind of have like a weird issue with this, is it's been the same rate. The federal tax rate has been the same on gas since nineteen ninety three. Okay, and it wow. hasn't gone up at all. So what's your issue with that? You're saying you want the taxes to be higher. Yeah, it desperately needs to be modernized. Um, it needs to be indexed for inflation if you're going to have it at all. Otherwise, yeah. it, you might as that's, well not even have it. There's been a ton of inflation, too, since 1993. Like, that's yeah. that's crazy. Yeah, because so you've had rising fuel efficiency, right? So in 1993, I don't know what the average fuel economy was, oh, but it's less than it is more. now. Yeah. yeah, so we used more. Um, anyway, so that's taxes. And crude oil prices are kind of where this gets a little more interesting. Um, we used to be the America used to be the biggest oil producer in the world, and there was part of something called the Seven Sisters, who controlled eighty five percent of the world's oil, mm-hmm. and that was the Anglo Iranian Oil Company, which is now BP, Gulf Oil, uh, which became part of Chevron, Royal Dutch Shell, Standard Oil Company of California, which is now Chevron, uh, Standard Oil of New Jersey, which is Esso, which turned into Exxon, which is now part of Exxon Mobil. Standard Oil of New York is Soco New York, which later became Mobil, and Texaco, which later merged into Chevron. Hmm. So American reliance on imported oil began during the Vietnam War and the economic boom of the period of the 50s and 60s. This provided Arab countries and OPEC, which is which was formed in 1960 to counter the hegemony. What is this buzzword put in here? Basically, hegemony. Hegemony. Basically, what? um, See, that's what I get for being a writer. Like I know what all the words mean, but I don't always say them. Basically, it's you also have a podcast. Chris, so right. you should probably should. learn how to I'm a much better them. writer than I am a podcast host, that's for sure. <laughs> um, 
they basically uh, got increased leverage to influence oil prices because we had an oil crisis here. Okay. So they basically gained power yeah. um, at that time, which is we didn't really use a lot of OPEC at the time. It was it well, was I wanted really to drastic. Ask you, so you're talking about the big seven here previously, where we got all of our oil from. Yeah, eighty five percent. Right. Yep. So why? Yeah. Why did we switch to OPEC having such a big influence on it? Basically, us? there was a huge gas crisis crunch. I guess I should have looked up more on the gas crisis. So like um, we for whatever reason just didn't. I think have we didn't so have it. Physically, we stopped having as much yeah. supply as they did. So um, that's why we turned to that Alaska. In 1973, oil shocks swung the pendulum in OPEC's favor, and that's the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries. That year, in response to the U.S. support for Israel during the Yom Kippur War, OPEC and Iran stopped oil supplies to the United States. The crisis had far-reaching effects on oil prices, and they've remained at high levels ever since. So ever mm-hmm. since they came in to like fuck with us, mm-hmm. yeah. the prices have stayed high. Okay. Um, and they right now do 44% of the world's oil. OPEC wow. does. Holy cow. Okay. What, what does the U.S. do then? So I'll get there. Okay. Um, the shale, the, recently, the U.S. shale oil boom, sanctions against Russia, and the rise of alternative sources of energy has undercut OPEC's influence on oil prices. Shale oil is considered a light crude, which is easily refined. Most oil from Venezuela, Kuwait, Saudi Arabia is uh, like sweet to heavy crude, which is it's just a little harder to so the, to, it to takes refine. more to process, right? So um, lighter crude is easier and less expensive to produce. It has a higher percentage of light hydrocarbons and can be recovered with simple distillation at the refinery. Heavy crude mm-hmm. can't be produced, transported, and refined by conventional methods because it has a high concentration of sulfur and metals, particularly nickel and vanadium. Heavy crude has density approaching or even exceeding that of water. Wow! Um, Holy cow! Yeah, so at a 2016 estimate of global deposits set the so this is a really interesting statistic, okay. and uh, I want to see what you guys think about this in terms of where society is today with autonomous electric vehicles and stuff like that. A 2016 estimate of global deposits set the total world resources of oil shale. Now, oil shale is like rocks, yeah. right? It's right it, that gets refined That's and where uh, you get oil from, right? The world resources of oil shale equivalent of six trillion barrels. Um, the world uses about ninety four million barrels per day. That's sixty three thousand days worth of shale oil, which is one hundred and seventy two years of oil. Wow! Hmm. So cow. I mean that's I mean that's going to go into um, like the chair you're sitting on, or yeah. or uh, like because petroleum WD-40 or, yeah is more than just gas. more than just oil. It's plastics How are you and ninety four million barrels. That, or, yeah, barrels this is worldwide. Day. Okay, so how many people are there in the world? A lot, a lot. Billions, well, it's just billions cra- it's and billions. Just a crazy figure to wrap your head around. Right. I mean, just, imagine seeing that ninety-four million barrels. It's just holy just crap. out laying around. It's wow. Why are we being sold so hard on alternative energy? You know, so, it's, it started out with like, oh, the oil crisis. We're going to run out. It's going to be gone. Right. You know, and that's kind of how this all started, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, we're going to run out of oil or the peak scare. oil. You know, the scare of it. And now we know that that's not true anymore. Right. But we're still on this. Path. I think it's a totally different. It's about uh, the environmental impact right. of carbon emissions versus mm-hmm. supply of oil. Yeah, right. now it's back end. It's shifted from like front end issues to back end issues. Right. Like, oh yeah, it, you know, we there might be. It is a non renewable source. Do you think there's yeah. any like kind of any like behind the scenes goal that some of these environmentalists are after? At well, all? I mean, green labeling anything is hugely profitable. Sure. Is that what you look you're at the Prius? At? Well, I'm I'm just thinking that a lot of these. If you look at like Exxon Mobil or um, BP, I mean, there's a lot of hatred for these companies that goes. Oh, big time. I mean, they 
hate them. The rich right. oil companies, they don't pay taxes, which they do. Mm-hmm. They ruin the environment, which they kind of do. Um, the, <laughs> they, the, yeah. the, it's not them that's ruining the environment. It's us. Yeah. Right. It's, I mean, not America specifically, drive. but it's more like China, India, underdeveloped companies that are uh, countries that are the problem. It's right. not, it's not us. I mean, there are specific, no, not us as, but there are specific instances of like the BP Valdez spill. Yeah. Like it was, that's bad. It that's was really bad. Basically insignificant. Yeah. Compared to yeah, I'll Com- say like to the volume of water in the ocean. I bet you, I bet oh, you, well, I mean, yeah. I bet you could not find a trace of it ever happening. Yeah, but I mean, like, oh, I'm, I doubt. I'm pretty sure you could find a trace of it happening. <sighs> what about the what was the the Deepwater Horizon? Yeah, like that was a big impact. That, yes. that there is still a lot of impact from that. Right. Like, so there are like specifically you can tie it to these companies having environmental impacts. Sure, but yeah. it's I not, disagree with that. But it's not a large impact. It's not I compared mean, it's not, to like carbon emissions of China. I I understand. Yeah, that. exactly. Right. Um, so U.S. oil production is estimated to peak at 9.7 million barrels this year. The last time the production was that high was 1972 when Holy U.S. God. oil production was at 9.6 million barrels per day. Imports from OPEC are at an all-time low. Um, that's because in 2015, the ban on exporting oil was lifted. Um, so we can actually export oil now. And uh, Why was there a ban on exporting oil? I, didn't, I don't know. It's also, probably environmental. Do you, did you see me peak up there when you said it was I in did. 1972? I just realized there's a there's a correlation here. Your car, the 1972 911, <laughs> yeah. has an oil-filled door. It yeah. was the only year they so put right. an oil-filled Where door. Put, yeah. Right. So maybe it's because there was so much oil available in 1972. They're like, we better put a door in the car. So <laughs> yeah, wow. More of so it, many right? 9.6 million barrels. <laughs> yeah. Um, Anyway, so realistically, you would think that the price of oil would be purely based on supply and demand, but, you know, geopolitical stuff. Um, And, uh, you know, its use as its sole energy source and its use in many other different products Mm -hmm. really is what really defines the price of oil. It'd be interesting to know how much cars, like, you know, fossil fuels of that is, you know, use of oil. How much, what percentage of it is actually cars? Cars. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think it's a very large. Like this, you know, this box for all of our, well, that's aluminum, but like this table and this chair and everything. Right, any any petroleum-based... Product, yeah. Everything. plastics, yep. etc. Yeah, glues, any solvents. It's, no glues I mean, are horses, Chris. Okay, <laughs> this is an 1876 <laughs> <laughs> the Amish podcast. All right, so let's uh, let's go into some let's go into some news. Do you want to save the the 919 stuff for last, or do you want to do that first? Um, yeah, we can do it right now. All right, let's do it. So um, I'm excited about this. Yeah, I'm, so we, I'm super stoked. We this. we talked uh, a couple episodes ago about how the Porsche 919 they pulled it out of Le Mans racing and prototype racing, and basically as a send off, they created the no holds barred version of this chassis called the 919 Evo. Yep. And basically it was like with unrestricted. Any, yep. With any racing series, there are restrictions to try to level the playing field. They basically yep. said, okay, if we didn't have any of these restrictions, what could we actually make? And it's they based it off this. Fucking awesome, are we? Basically. So they. It would be like if the weightlifting competitions were like, use whatever drugs you want. Let's yeah. see how big you can get. Basically. Let's see Good how much can you lift. Let's see it. And I, yeah. I've always thought that that would be much more entertaining. Like, yeah. give me professional yeah. sports where there are no. Well, that's like no. That's, <laughs> that's kind of like a throwback to Group B in 1970s racing and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, it really yeah. is. That's why we're so excited about it. I mean, it's like finally feels like we're going forward in that sense, emotionally and speed wise. I agree with True. you. So this 919 Evo, we know it's fast already because in April they brought it to Spa, the racetrack, and they beat the lap record there. They just eclipsed it. So we've <laughs> all kind of been waiting for them to go to the Nordschleife, the Nürburgring Nordschleife, because that is... Nordschleife. Nordschleife. Yeah. Nordschleife. Yep. Um, Nordschleife. 
Nord Eschli. I like Christ pronouncing day. all of the all of the vowels. <laughs> we got Hegemony, Nord Schleif, the scream. We're doing great. It was a great episode. We Landmark. got sweep the shaft into the yeah right. Was, yeah, yeah, we need to be a little loose too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, anyways, yeah, we've all been waiting for them to go to the Nuremberg. I was wondering if they were the Nuremberg. The Nuremberg. <laughs> Come on, Jake. I've been waiting Nuremberg. them to go. I've been waiting for them to go to the Nuremberg because I want to see what it can do. I want to see if it can break the record. Exactly. I wanted to see it. Because the, there's all this talk every, oh, this car went to the Nürburgring and put down this time, and this car went and did this time. I want this car to go there and just be like, smoke everybody and just yeah. be like, well, this is the deal. Yeah, those are production car records. It's like though. Michael Jordan coming into like the, the gym where a bunch of like 40-year-old dudes that used to play basketball are playing. He just comes in there and just schools everybody. <laughs> you know what I mean? It would just be awesome. And by the way, they're trying okay. to beat their own record they set because right. the production lap record for right now or before the yeah I guess right now would be the GT2. Right, but no, no, no. My this point is, race cars, the nine six two is the record. Yeah. So my point right. is, when the, the, track was the one that you're complaining about is like year after year, the production car record keeps getting reset because it's you know inching better and better every right. year. Yeah. But this other record this is, has stood for decades. Yeah. So yeah. this is like the official track record of a race car, no limits to it. Right. Was the? Did you say the nine six two? Was it? Nine, yeah. yeah, I think it's the nine six two. We yeah. should mention that the track. We're pretty sure the track was a little bit different it back changed. then. It, it changed, was shorter. It was shorter by like almost because they were building right? the. The, the other circuit there, the, yeah, the main circuit, yeah. So they it was like thirteen point two miles or something. Like that. Yeah, so it was, it was a little shorter. It was shorter. right. Yeah. So it makes it even harder, basically, to, right. to right. beat that record. Yeah. However, Porsche had it out testing earlier this week. Yes, they did. And so we we had a couple sources that were, of course, sitting trackside trying to figure out if they were going to set a record. And basically, we we or they, the press, alluded that the only reason they would be out there with this car is to set. A record, right? Yeah. Why else would they be to. there? Completely. So they didn't do a full hot lap yet. Do they're we know just, why? Are they just because like, I think they're taking their time they're and warming testing. Up. They're stretching, they're setting up the car just perfectly. Right. They want to get like the absolute. When they lay down the time, they want it to be the big hammer drop. They exactly. Wanna, they want to drop the hammer on that circuit and just lay it down. Yep. So what's interesting though, they did go you know hot for most of the track at a time they just didn't do a full loop hot so that they couldn't have reporters say oh this is what it did yet right yeah. it makes sense but what we did find out is that we were able to compare how fast it went in sections of a track of the track and extrapolate that to the actual lap time right, yeah. right. so together. yep so w- what they're using here is they're comparing it to the gt2 rs which was the latest production car lap record holder than you know the porsche's own 911 gt2 rs and that did it in wait we already had this conversation yes right? we did, did it wrong so regardless whatever that did it in they used the math to say okay this particular section that the 919 did a hot you know wasn't full lap but it was going as fast as it could in this yeah. section compared to that and we get a multiplier of 0.76 and by the way they is misha whatever is yeah let's give him credit whatever misha is. Chardin, what is his channel here it was on youtube there's a lot of cool stuff on youtube he's an awesome guy yeah check him so out. um basically they did the math and they figured out there's a factor of 0.76 compared to the gt2 rs which was here it is i'll get it right 647 or breaking it down into seconds to do the math it's 407 seconds um sounds slow r- right <laughs> because using that multiplier then you'd get 309 seconds for the 919 evo which would be five minutes nine seconds now Jeez. keep in mind this is ridiculously impressive because the previous record was six minutes 20 seconds yes yeah on a little bit on, of water. A, on a shorter course yeah yeah 
This is actually a theoretical lap time should be even lower, though, because the difference will only grow as the distance increases because it's constantly faster instead of just one single section. Because the average speed right. goes up when you exactly. have the straightaway. So and this is what I love this in the video of Misha talking about it. They were like, yeah, they uh, we watched the car do a lap and then it just idled down the front straight and then just chilled into the pits and it did a 620. <laughs> and everyone was yes. like, oh, my God. <laughs> so that's how they figured, OK, we know what's going to be in the fives. Yeah. And time. so they're saying if you do the math, it's theoretically right around 509. Yeah. Which is nuts. Yeah. Yes. I hope that they can break five minutes. That would be huge. If they can get sub five, I think that would be really impressive. I think they're probably emotionally sold on trying to get sub five at this point. If they're that close, nine seconds I mean, on a on a track that long, nine seconds is not. Uh, I don't know. It's yeah. You know how hard you're pushing though to go from six twenty as the previous record, and now you're at five oh nine. And that's just can we nutty. Just, the nine six two. Like we're not trying to discredit the nine six two here. The nine six two is an animal of a car. Right. Well, it it just shows because that's still held as the record. Yeah. Like that's crazy to beat that. In the first place, so it's just it's an awesome. So awesome I'm sure as they continue testing and just dialing in the car, we're probably going to get an official hot lap record here speaking in the of, next week or two. Speaking of hot laps, um, the GM pro- <laughs> the, G- <laughs> the GM product chief uh, Mark Roos can't drive crashes pace car. Um, Mark Roos had just begun the parade lap in uh, leading oh. the IndyCar field. What track was this? I uh, it was some like. Uh, I road, watched it. road course that was adopted for okay. IndyCar. Um, leading the IndyCar field when he lost control of the car and had it hit hard into the wall. The crash took out a good chunk of the front end. Roos and a passenger both got out of the car, apparently unhurt. GM said it was, quote, unfortunate that this incident happened. The company attributed to many factors, including weather and track conditions. <laughs> when I see the video, I'm like, man, that looks like it's a beautiful day. Perfect it's perfectly sunny. 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 And the track is clean. Yep. He was hauling ass into that turn, too. Well, like, if thing. you look at you the ever cars. Pace cars? Any of yeah. them. They're like, wow, just like if you watch F1, Honest. you can see that that Mercedes is just like hauling the mail. Yep. And all the F1 cars are just like warming up their tires behind right. them. Yeah. So, yeah, they're, they're definitely pushing the hell out of the cars. Um, the... What did what did Mark say? He says, "I want to thank you for all your well wishes today. I am okay. I've driven this course many, many times, many, many, many times. Four many. Yeah, there's a lot of many's. I have paced this race in the wet, cold, hot, and calm on Z06s, Grand Sports, and other things. It is never a casual thing for me, but an honor to be asked. Today, I let down my friends, my family, IndyCar, our city, and my company. Sorry does not describe it. I want to thank our engineers for providing me the safety I know is the best in the world." I feel really bad for this guy. Yeah, me really, really at, bad. At first, I was like laughing because when you watch the video, you're like, "What the what the hell happened here?" It just it's it just let loose. It, well, the, if you look at the way the track is, it got light. Crest. There's a yep. little crest, and the car got light. The and other he just, thing, and he was too, on it, and he just it was just gone. There was another car that he was coming up on. Yeah, but that was a ways up there. I just I don't, don't know. know if that kind of freaked him out too. Like he wasn't expecting anything to see anything up there, or if it was. It only just, looks like it was, it's pretty far up. If it only looks close okay. because of the way the telephoto zoom was sure. on the lens, okay. it wasn't actually that close. So anyway, kudos to that guy for driving into the wall. The product manager of the uh, of the car just driving into the wall. And I don't in, know if in it's, full view of public. Yeah, I don't know if it's fair to say that he can't drive because it does sound like he's done this many many times. Well, he, he couldn't drive that day. He could not drive that day. That day. That, um, so I, uh, this, we got our last story here, yes. and, I, and I like this one. I so do, too. Go ahead. So McLaren doesn't need no stinking SUVs. I love this. Quote, we have been a company in existence for a long time prior to the automotive, prior to automotive. What? It's, it's a quote. It's, okay. It's, yeah, I don't. And we're a profitable company. 
So there's really no need to go into SUVs. Tony Joseph, president of McLaren North America, said last week during a visit to Automotive News, we want to concentrate just on two-seat sports cars and be known as the iconic sports car company. Hallelujah. Exactly. Thank God. At least somebody gets it, right? I mean, you don't... These companies don't need it. Exactly. Right. You know, it's... Well, it was like that Lamborghini Urus SUV, which was just jumping exactly. the shark. And I think a lot of companies learned from that because they were like, wow, you guys at Lamborghini look like idiots right now. Do you and think so? Was, I don't oh, know. Did you see the presentation, the key, well, keynote they did on the thing where they were like, looks like a Lamborghini. And it was a, like a back end shot of a Uricon and like a, a Countach or something like that. And a Diablo. Like and and then, then, yeah. And then there was the SUV and they were like wide and low. And the SUV was just a brick in like the bottom <laughs> of the screen. And everyone's like, what do we do with this? They're trying to put the square peg in the round hole, like really yeah, just, just hammering the, the square peg in the flat, sexy car hole. And it didn't work. And I mean, I also got upset when Lotus announced that they're looking into doing an SUV as well. So mm-hmm. it's, yeah, I know. I'm glad that some companies, like you said, are sticking to the roots and what they're good at. Since, yeah. since 2016, McLaren has released three vehicles, the 570S Spider, a convertible that starts at more than two, 200 grand, the 720S, and the limited edition Senna, which the automaker calls its ultimate road legal track car, is priced at around a million dollars. Just 500 will be built, and the car is already sold out. About 160 Senna's are expected to come to North America. While McLaren is adamant about not building an SUV, it has been far more receptive to electrification. Half of the 15 vehicles in its business plan have hybrid technology. So. Yeah, the P1 they didn't list there because that was a hybrid. Right, right. Yeah, I don't care. They've, it's long, You know, it's like I have this thing where it's like, you know what? That's fine. You guys can do that. You're not fucking up with the crossover yeah. SUV thing. You guys are building cars, performance cars. Just keep doing your thing. You realize this is the cut to audio of when they do build a crossover and we're like, remember when we said, <laughs> you guys are doing great, not building a crossover. That's, I, that will not happen until they get bought out by another company. Right? Yeah, I, I can that. almost guarantee that it's in their blood to not, to not do oh, it. Oh, so. absolutely. Yeah. Well, and I'm trying to think of the cafe standards, right? It was supposed to be that a manufacturer had to, across the board, reach a a, like minimum of miles per gallon. You don't with if, their fleet, right? Yes, but if you don't, you have to pay a fine. Okay, so yeah. companies like this are they like, don't give a shit. That's the car fine. We're paying the fine. People have done that. Like Aston Martin did that back with the what is it the the i the Toyota IQ yep. that was rebadged, and that. they've sold like they said they had to sell two thousand of them to like average out their total okay. range. So there's ways MPG. to get around. They've it. sold forty five in two years, three years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so that so, didn't work. Yeah, no. yeah. It's the Signet is what it's called. Yep, I remember. Yeah, well, I that's it that. for today, guys. Um, yep. Is there anything else you guys want to carry on about? We have SQ5 is best SUV. What? <laughs> In the comments on Facebook. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so why don't you guys come out and see us t- uh, Friday? Not tomorrow. Friday. Well, Friday. It's It'll be tomorrow for whoever's listening to this. Okay. Um, it'll be here. Uh, we'll be there on Friday at the Brew House Labs. Is that Bauhaus. Right? Bauhaus Labs. Brew Labs. Brew Labs. For the Beer Gruppe. <laughs> Event. Group. Yeah, 70th anniversary of Porsche. There's going to be a lot of cool Porsches there. We'll be there. Come visit us. and uh, We'll be broadcasting live. Yes, we will. Well, not live, but recording we'll, If you're live. there, it will be live. That's true. That's very, very true. <laughs> true. Uh, thanks for coming in, Alex. It was nice to have you, as always. Thanks for having me. And uh, we will see you guys Friday. Take care. Bye-bye.